everybody. You are listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Liz. And this is the one where we, uh, this is the Fire and Water Network show where we uh, take a look at various comics and uh, graphic novels and trade paperbacks with female protagonists. And, <laughs> and this time, Liz said she wanted a change of pace and something a little more rough around the edges. A little grittier. A little grittier. And thus we have landed on I Hate Fairyland. Mm-hmm. So this is your warning up front. Um, we will do our best to keep the podcast safe for work. The book is not. This is not one for your kids. Mm-hmm. Like the cover of Volume 1, which is Madly Ever After, mm-hmm. shows the lead character um, we, with an axe with blood dripping off it, mm-hmm. and a lot of adorable corpses. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that is what we're dealing with here. Teddy bears, mushrooms, unicorns, the like. Yep. And this was uh, written and drawn by Scotty Young, with coloring by Jean Francis Bellou. Um I'm probably not doing great on the names. Lettering and design by Nate Pecos of Blambot. And logo design by Rian Hughes. So, um, yeah, it's you. You asked for gritty. It did, was. Did you did you get what you were after? Wasn't gritty so much as drenched in blood. Fair uh, point. Constantly. I mean, I think part of the reason we landed on this was partly by default because the other stuff that I had was like, well, this is gritty, but it's also long. And yeah. Are we gonna get this red in time? Yeah, that's true. Like we we are going to get. To give me liberty, and we will deal with that, but it's long. So, mm-hmm. this this was quick. This was a breezy read. Mm-hmm. What did you think? You can go first. <sighs> there are a couple of little... Actually, there are a fair amount of little touches that I really liked. Uh-huh. Um, so, the lead character, whose name is Gertrude, I suppose we should cover the premise a little bit, mm-hmm. um, is... I guess she's about eight year old girl who a door opens up to the magical world of fairyland and she can go back home when she completes a quest and find a key. You know, it's a fairly standard Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, Alice so, in Wonderland because she kind of falls through the ground. Yeah, to get to the but, thing. you know, put on a quest to be able to go back home mm-hmm. and then cut to 27 years later. And that I thought was actually a really nice touch because while... Because of the weirdness of Fairyland, she continues to look eight. She's been stuck in this damn place for 27 years, which, in a stroke, I think does a lot to justify how pissed off she is at everything. And everyone. Yes. yes. And that was because I, what I thought, what I was afraid of going in was that we were just going to have an undescribably violent little girl that was just somehow supposed to be entertaining. Because I've run into that with when I've read stuff kind of in this vein. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how close it is, but when I, when I tried reading things like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac a while back or Squee or things like that, I'm like, I'm just, yeah. But like a little touch like that, I'm like, okay, I can roll with this premise now. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked her guide, Larry. Yes, Larry was good. This little... He's so over this crap. Uh, yeah, constantly chain smoking. Also pretty violent. 
Um, yeah. T- dispatches of one of the narrators, which they all I, get killed. I like that there's a narrator's guild. <laughs> so every issue opens with a different narrator recapping the start of the story and then getting killed. Although the moon doesn't actually get killed, the moon shows up again later as a crescent moon looking really ticked off because Gertrude blew two, two-thirds of his head off. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that touch, yeah. Again, a ni- there's a lot of little nice touches. However, mm-hmm. it is very formulaic. It falls, and not, it's a formula of its own design, mm-hmm. but it adheres very strictly to its formula, issue over issue over issue. And by the time I got to the end of it, I'm like, I can track these plot points beat for beat. Yeah. But there were a lot of little things that I liked. Like, I liked um, towards the end when she goes to the home of one of the seven evil dooms, and it's Lord Darketh Death, Dead Death. <laughs> and she tears through his dungeon, destroying everything. Mm-hmm. And his reaction to that... Let me see if I can find it here. Um... It's like, Gertrude, you dare enter my domain, insult me by killing my hordes. You are like the daughter I never had. <laughs> like that. There's a lot of she little touches me. like that in the dialogue, in the interactions that I enjoy, but taken as a whole, I kind of got over the gimmick of let's cut a bloody swad through a yeah. through a treacly, sweet fantasy world. I got over that gimmick pretty quick. And it... Until the end, that pretty much was it. Issue after issue is her. And that was my issue, too, is, like, I really wavered on this. I, at first, was like, okay, this is an interesting premise. Like, you know, like, this candy-coated, sweet-looking fairyland, and she's cutting, like, this swath of death and destruction through it. And, you know, I'm like, okay, but it's... It, it tries too hard. It uh, it also never evolves from that. Yeah, she like I almost would have rather seen. I get the skip to twenty seven years later because it's jarring, but I almost would have rather seen that descent into darkness and to being jaded and cynical and evil because like over time that would have in a way made a more interesting story. I also kind of wondered at the beginning. I was like. Is this quest really hard, or is she really bad at it? I think it's both. Yeah. I think it's not the easiest quest in the world, but she also sucks at it. Yeah. I think, too, like, once she starts being, like, uncooperative, they're like, oh, we're going to make this as hard as possible for you. You're, like, killing everything, so, yeah, we're not going to cooperate. I'm not sure that's what's going on. I think, actually, she just keeps veering further and further off what they expect her to do. Uh-huh. And they just don't know how to adjust accordingly because, to, spoilers, I guess, because mm-hmm. towards the end, they bring in another girl to try and complete the quest instead, who does it really easily. Now, granted, she's super treacly herself, uh-huh. but you get the sense that, oh, this is easy for her because she's doing what she's supposed to do. Yeah. And Gertrude never, true. never did. Never did what she was supposed to do, and they never properly adjusted for that. Maybe that's true. I think it's a little bit of everything. Honestly. It it could be. I have a I have a feeling that in many ways this is a creative therapy session for Scotty Young. 
mm. because he he's been around in the industry for a while. He did he did a Rocket Raccoon solo series for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but what he is best known for at this point is doing cutesy, chibi style alternate covers for Marvel. Oh, like his portfolio is cutesy art. That's what pays his bills. So I I cannot help but wonder if this was if this was creative therapy of like I'm so sick of this cutesy shit. I want to murder it with an axe. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was just too much and too obvious and constant blood for me. And, like, I, there were times when I let go and I was like, okay, I'm going to go with this madcap violent glee. And, like, towards the end when the plot started doing some different things, it was okay. I liked the addition of Happy. She kind of threw a monkey wrench into yep. her plans. But it was almost too easy for Gertrude to kill everything and that, then come back from death. And that was like, she takes on an entire zombie horde and survives, you know? And I'm just like, this... Here was the thing about that that bothered me. It's not that she survived, because, I mean, that crap's been going on since the days of Conan, for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. But what annoyed me is basically every issue, because this, this collects, I think, the first four, maybe five issues. Hang on. Let's see if I can sort that. Um, five. It's the first five issues. Mm -hmm. At the end of every issue, she is confronted with something. You're like, ooh. And then the next issue starts and she's already She's, drenched in the she's blood already defeated it. Yeah. First issue ends with this massive huntsman showing up. Next issue opens. She's playing oh, around. She's playing around with this decapitated head. The one that ends with the zombie horde. And I say horde like it's the entire population of like a friggin' nation. And then the next issue opens. She's already killed it. An issue ends with her body broken and destroyed. And the next issue opens with, no, she's hurt, but she's not dead. It's... <coughs> It has a very repetitious pattern of ending on cliffhanger might be too much of a too strong a word because you mm -hmm. expect her to survive. But ending on a oh, how is she going to survive this situation? And then just opening the next issue with, well, sh she just did. She did. Yeah. And like I kind of rolled with that the first time. But the instant I noticed they did it every time, I'm like, oh, yeah. <sighs> and it just became one more way that the thing failed to evolve as it went along. Yeah, that's the thing is I feel like we got end results without going on the journey of how she got to where she was or how she's this depraved or how Larry's that messed up or whatever or how she actually defeats all these things. Like, how does she actually have skills? Is she just that murderous and they're just that, like, not good at surviving? I don't know, but, you know... I mean, like I said, there are a lot of little touches that I like. I like that she, like, she gets attacked by these little mushroom guys and she, like, bites into some of them and then she trips for a while after that because magic mushrooms. I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, there's little bits here and there that I'm like, that's a nice touch, but I was bored of the overall premise kind of quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like the addition of Happy. I do think it sets it up that because Happy ends up falling through the ground yeah. that she could come back. Like, she's not covered in blood. And yeah, a, she... 
She's not body. definitively killed, which is also good because as irritating as Happy was, she was also, you know, still legitimately like eight years old, unlike Gertrude, who is, I guess, 35 in an eight-year-old's body. So I actually would have had issue with the bloody murder of Happy as irritating a character as she was. And also, I mean, she was one of the few characters that did some harm to Gertrude. Yeah. And, like, seemed a viable opponent to her. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the art's kind of fun. Um, I will say that. it It's covered in blood, but it, it works. Um, and it is clever in parts, but, yeah, it, it just didn't quite work for me. I got tired of it, and I got tired of the constant blood and the, like, even the fake potty language, you know, I was like, eh, this yeah, is cute, it, it but pulls, I mean, I was it gonna, works better than in the good place. I honestly. was going to say it, it pulls a good place thing with with her using substitute words for cursing, except that I'm pretty sure this predates the good place. So this yeah. had this had the idea first. But yeah, they're not quite as it's not quite as clever in execution. Mm-hmm. She's not quite as cute as. Kristen Bell when she says them either. Part of it's that. I think part of it is also overuse. There's only so many times I can see the word muffin fluffer. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, I think overuse is really what was the... What did this book in was like overuse of death, overuse of blood, overuse of swearing and fake swearing and sticking your middle finger up and... Overuse of trying to be, you know, scandalous, but yeah, it gets old. Scandalous, you have to. I feel like you have to have some kind of element of surprise in it, and there was no surprise. To yeah, this. well, it's when you when you crank it up to eleven and stay there, that just becomes your new one because it's deafening. You yeah, know? <laughs> because it, well, it's it becomes your new normal. So if you if you take it up to eleven and stay there, it's the same as just staying at one. It's because it's the monotony that, that kills it. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got to vary it up, and this just kind of doesn't do that. No, I did also like Lady, who was uh, Happy's little guy, <laughs> who is just also over it, and is like really Larry. Just, <laughs> no, uh. so. Yeah, so, I mean, interesting premise. Um, let, let me put it this way. Um, once we're done with this, I'm going to look for somebody to give this to. I don't intend to keep this volume. Yeah, that's fair. I don't really need to read another one, even though I'm somewhat intrigued if Happy comes back. I think I'll just look it up on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Not sorry. Um, yeah. So that's I Hate Fairyland. I think we were both pretty underwhelmed by it. Yeah. But you asked for a change of pace. It was that, I guess. And then it was very much the pace of death and destruction <laughs> and blood. So, yes. <laughs> All righty. So um, we're going to wrap it up there for this. And we are going to have a... Quick little commercial break and be back with listener feedback. Hey everybody, Quentin Robinson here. I recently attempted to sneak into the Longbox Crusade headquarters basement to watch some of the Albrecht Brothers action movies while the crew was out at the Saturday matinee theater. Too bad I had a little mishap and got stuck down here. 
with no movies to boot. However, there are pieces of Pat's old podcasting equipment and excellent Wi-Fi service, so I decided to pass the time watching online fan films and talking about them. What, you don't know what a fan film is? Well, there are these non-theatrical movies that people post online of already established characters and settings. Hey, hey, hey now. Just wait and see. Save all judgment for what happens when you listen to Fan Film Fridays, a new podcast found on the Longbox Crusade podcast feed. All right, folks, we're back, and we're going to tackle uh, the few bits of feedback we had from our 2019 wrap-up. Mm-hmm. Although, I feel like it's worth tacking on two little extra things before we get to the feedback, because actually just yesterday, at time of recording, we watched two movies from 2019 with female ensemble oh, yes. casts, both yes, of which we were did. very good. I feel like maybe it's worth touching on those real quick. Mm-hmm. So we watched... Hustlers, mm-hmm. and Little Women. Mm-hmm. And those were both quite good. They were. Very different movies. <laughs> True. Very, very different movies. But yeah, both of those were really good. Mm-hmm. And making me all the more annoyed that um, Greta Gerwig was not nominated. Nominated for Best Director. Yeah, Best I director. already had issues before I watched Little Women um, that she wasn't nominated. Now I have Furious issues because yeah. that was really a well done adaptation of that, and Hustlers was very non exploitative, and you could tell it, it was directed by a woman. It benefited greatly from being directed by a woman because you could see how that story could have been so skeevy to watch, mm-hmm. and instead it was funny and heartfelt, and again, great turn by constant. Swoo, who she I was great. Really Jennifer like. Lopez. Jennifer Excuse Lopez me, was, was great. quite great. Um, yeah, it was good, and um, yeah, and also included like not only very little full frontal of women, but a full frontal of men. So yeah, a man. Yeah, we had, we had full frontal of a man. I only counted two instances of female nudity, and they were both background. Really, they were brief. they were blinking yeah. and miss it background. None of the main characters. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Kudos. Yeah. Well um, done. So we'll add those in as a tail end, and then let's get to the feedback, which I will be reading because Liz is sick. Yes. Uh, as you can tell, I have a very uh, raspy voice, um, benefits of a cold. So, yeah, it's 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 cold and flu season, so I, of course, got it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what happens when you work with kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. So, first piece of feedback we got was from Tim Price. Uh, Some pretty great stuff this year. I really need to give Captain Marvel a rewatch. I enjoyed it so much in the theater, just haven't gotten around to it. Thanks for the reminder. A couple of things coming up that are relevant to this show, although you haven't covered it yet. Mike Mayhack, creator of Cleopatra in Space, has announced the sixth and final volume of that series will uh, come out in the summer of 2020. The series has been so good, but in amazing news, DreamWorks has made it into an animated series. It premiered in Asian markets on November 2019. The details are being worked out on a release in the U.S., so fingers crossed for lots of Clio goodness next year. Hmm. 
Uh, yeah, we have that. We have a couple of volumes of that. I haven't actually read it in our school yet, but it gets checked out um, fairly regularly. So, yeah, I think both volumes are out right now. I haven't seen it in a while. Probably should look up on that. <laughs> um, and he concludes by saying, and yes, I have watched She-Ra season four and Trapta. That's all I'll say. Thank you for another year of this podcast. See you in the 20s, my punchers. Thank you, Tim. And we also heard from Carolyn, who wrote, Hey, my first comment. How about that? It really was a brilliant year, wasn't it? Thanks for nudging me into finally reading some of the things I that have been in my backlog for a while, notably Rat Queens and The P Prince and the Dressmaker. The latter's become a great favorite of mine. I've read it about half a dozen times so far. Still behind on She-Ra, though. I need to fix that. It's a joy to be able to support you and the rest of the network. Your broadcast always brightens up my month. Looking forward mm -hmm. to what next year brings. Can't wait to find out. All the best to you both. Oh, that's sweet. Um, yeah, Prince and the Dressmaker is still doing really well in my library. It does not really stay on the shelf at all. Um, because it's a Dorothy Canfield Fisher, it is. It made its way through some of the third graders, and now the fourth graders actually have a crack at it. Um, so... Um, yeah, there's a waiting list for that one right now. I need to honestly get another copy. Oh, that, that makes me happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's quite popular. And one of our fourth grade girls says it's like the best book ever. So, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone should read it. So yes, it's, it's got rave reviews from them. So thank you very much for your feedback, folks. Uh, anyone else who wishes to leave feedback can do so at fire and water, um, podcast.com um, which is where we will you can also find a curated selection of images from the, <laughs> probably a good idea from the uh, the volume that we covered this month and we don't know no what we we're do doing. we're doing do we? Persepolis that's right Persepolis Persepolis sorry Persepolis it's okay that's right next month we're doing Persepolis which is that's one of the ones that's been on the docket since we first started this Yes, I will have to find a copy at school, which I'm sure I can. I've got my own copy, so. Oh, I didn't realize that. Nice. Yeah. So that'll be next month, and we will see you all then. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production. It is presented on the Fire & Water Podcast Network, which is maintained and supported through Patreon. This specific show would like to thank Carolyn and Brian Linton for their contributions and for helping to make all of this possible. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom, and our theme music is composed and performed by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Bye.